ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Coming to you live from the Knicks Place 30th Anniversary Celebration at Rocky Ridge and Rustheimer. Now, step into the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios with the Bees themselves, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Final hour of the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Thanks again to Nick's Place for having us out today for their 30th anniversary party. Congrats to Joel Blank on his uh, big dub today and uh, who said it. He's going to only brag about it probably for the rest of my life. I have never bragged about it until the pre- preview of the the game the next day, the next week. That's fair. I, I guess that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I don't, I'm not Jeremy Branham. I don't have to over overblow all of my sets. Who said it's an accomplishment? Uh, I don't often, like, these are sometimes random questions, but I, this is a fair question. Chewy asked us on the Twitch uh, why only 92.5 was getting the Big Ten title game. That's because your Houston Dynamo will be in action right. for a conference championship and a chance to advance to the MLS Cup. That game will be on 97.5 with Glenn Davis on the call on Saturday when they take on LAFC. Any Soccer expert John Granado is in the building. Soccer expert John Granado, who desperately wanted to be at that game Saturday night. His flight reservation, no, this Saturday night, John. But the flight reservations on the private jet got a little bit postponed. Otherwise, Johnny G would be there. Yeah, I heard John and Michael Connor guaranteed victories for the Dynamo this weekend. That's what I heard. Okay. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I heard. All I know right. at least Michael Connor did. I know He's my, big on guarantees. He, it's like his favorite word. I, I, don't, know how, I, I don't know. His dictionary seems like... Like of like how many words he knows seems kind of small, but guarantees one that like he goes to very very often. Um, so if the Houston Texans lose this weekend, the number one reason will be what? They can't protect CJ. Uh, I, I just I worry about the fact that even before he got hurt, Howard wasn't playing great football, and CJ seemed to have to constantly be moving the pocket, moving around, going off script, creating things on his own, and. And you don't want to do that when you've got a Denver secondary that that's that's very that's talented, right? And their best players in the secondary. And you're not, and you're without you're without your tight end, which is your security blanket, and a guy that you really like in the scheme of things of where you can dump the ball down to when you do have to go off script. So I would start there. I would say that obviously losing Howard for the season was a blow to some degree. I'm very curious to see how Juice plays a full game with a, a big magnitude game. Where it's going to a lot of the onus is going to be on him along you know alongside Titus to be able to block pass block and run block and I think that's something that that's I think that's going to be a big factor. Yeah, I think so too. It's going to be I think the biggest thing about CJ is they talk a lot about like the off script stuff and like staying on script and being more controlled and like in what the offense is supposed to be. That's definitely going to be a huge part of this game because Denver like they find a way to just. They just keep finding a way. Like it's like they're the more advanced Pittsburgh Steelers almost at this point because I think they play just as bad as football. But you get a little bit more from your quarterback this year with Russell Wilson. The Steelers are getting from Kenny Pickett. You got to protect CJ, and CJ is just. The, I think the big thing that's going to help them in this game is they got to. Last week they missed a lot on the deep stuff. Yeah, like they had the one that connected. There was a penalty for, but even before that, there was a missed one. I think it was on the first series of the game. Yeah, yep. the third one. The fourth he overshot one. the first one. Yeah, like that's the thing is like he's overshooting some of these deep shots. They got to connect on at least two of them. I think in this game, and if they don't, and like and, and they play good defense, specifically certain, like I think that's really going to hinder their chances to win on Saturday. No, I think you're right. And, and see if this makes sense to you. I think the key is. 
if the Texans can stay on script, run when they want to, pass the way they want to, and if they can get Denver off script. Because I think that they they are very good right now because they have been keeping Russ to throwing it about 20 times. Their running game has been effective. He doesn't have to do some of the things we talked about with DJ, too. You're... Teams, they're winning games because Russ isn't trying to do too much. He's not running around scrambling in the pocket and trying to save plays and, and, and make passes that maybe he's not capable of making anymore. And I think that's what the Texans want to do. Take them off script. Make him do things he's uncomfortable or hasn't been doing well while you are on an offensive side of the ball where you're able to run the football better and you and, and C.J. has a pocket enough so that he can throw the ball how he wants to throw the football. Yeah, it's going to be – I think the other thing this weekend, too, is, is – if if you let Cortland Sutton, you know, in the ends in the red zone, find a way to get open like that, it's going to be a problem. Look, this is going to be the first time this season that the defense is fully healthy. Like you're going to have Jimmy Ward, uh, Derek Stingley, you're going to have obviously Stephen Nelson and Jalen Petrie out there. I feel like we're going to see a lot more Desmond King, you know, replacing you yeah. know, some of those ro- those those I think snap you have to, to, right? Thomas. Yeah. So like, this is the this is the first time that you're really going to see what this Texans secondary is. Because I don't know if they've played their best football or if they're just below average compared to what I thought they were. Because isn't it funny? Remember at the start of the season, we all said that we thought it was going to be a strength of this team. Yeah. And it feels like it just hasn't been anywhere near that. I think the key, too, though, Joe, on that side of the football is the front seven has to stop the run. And you you know I've said how they brother-in-lawed a lot. Like when, with Rankins and Collins, it's one or the other. But I'd like to see both. It's like if, if it's 202 or or if it's Harris. But, I, you know, I think this is a game where – it's so imperative to stop Denver's run game that I think the front seven has to step up. I mean, Jimmy Ward, to me, I'd like to see something from him just because it's almost he's like almost a forgotten guy in a lot of ways because you haven't seen him in, in quite a while. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, it's one thing to say the secondary. I think for me the key is the front seven and the fact that they've got to stop the run. And, again, that's going to make them uncomfortable. That's going to make them do things that I don't think Sean Payton and Russell Wilson want to or are capable of doing, which is throwing the ball 25, 30 times a game. Yeah, it's going to be – I'm really excited for this game. I just feel like this doesn't – like I said at the beginning of the show, like, I don't think it's the playoff preliminary, but I think it does – it's a huge test. Like, it, it does feel like this is a game in which it will tell the story of who the Texans are this year going forward. Because, like, you mentioned the Panthers game earlier. Yep. I feel like this is the first time you – know, like, even, like, Pittsburgh. Like, you caught Pittsburgh at a good time. It was early in the season. Yep. Like, you're playing a team now. Like, they just – they keep finding a way to win. So being the team that can get the victory of them will be such a huge progressive step for this franchise and for what they mean. Like I, but I'm fascinated by this game. I am too. But it's kind of like when we were talking about it earlier. When you look at this game, you weren't sure it was going to need or have the magnitude. But because of the, as DJ mentioned, the fact that it's it's the tiebreaker now. Because you lost last week, chances are like slim and none you're going to win the division. So now it comes down to. Can you get those tiebreakers in your favor so that if you are a fringe team at the very bottom of the uh, of the playoff picture of the playoff picture getting in, that you have the difference maker? And that's why this game becomes so much more valuable to both teams, honestly, because no one thought at the start of the year that either one of these teams, but predominantly the, the Broncos, were going to even be close to sniffing this position. But right now, I think the the majority of the percentage of the hopes of this either one of these teams getting in. It all resides on who has the who is the tiebreaker between these two teams, or at least it could, because there's some teams that are going to be teetering too, just like this. But like you said, you got the Steelers early, but I don't, the Steelers, as bad as Kenny Pickett has been and their and Matt Canada has been, 
there's no turning back from it. They've got, they're like the Sonics the one year that they, they ended up with a top four seed because they won like 30 out of 35 games to start the year, and you knew when you weren't they, they weren't that good. But at a certain point, you get to a, a point of no return where even if they go bad the rest of the year, I don't think there's any scenario where the Steelers don't get in. You said something that kind of piqued my interest like of a question. Like, if, if the Denver Broncos make the playoffs or if the Houston Texans make the playoffs, which one's the bigger surprise? Like, looking back, because you have two teams that had top five picks, brought in new head coaches. Now, one had Russell Wilson. We thought he was just totally cooked. But you have a young rookie in C.J. Stroud. You've got one team in Denver that even is just going back to the deadline. People are talking about trading Judy and Sutton and all these right, guys. Right. And, like, are they just going to blow it up, which they kind of did a little bit. They traded some pieces. And it was like, I don't, I don't know who's the bigger surprise. I don't know if there's a wrong answer because if you think about it, you should say, well, it's the Texans because Denver has a Super Bowl winning quarterback and a Super Bowl winning head coach. And they, have a, they had veterans on their squad that they ended, a lot of them they ended up getting rid of. Um, and they've had a lot of high draft picks already in places where those guys should be impactful, like the receivers, like some of the guys that they've added on defense. But when you look at it from a Texans perspective, coming off of Cully and Lovey, there were no expectations for this team other than D'Amico's going to be really good. You just didn't know when. Yeah. CJ, you didn't know if he was going to be great, but you knew where he was drafted, that he's supposed to be really good, but you don't know when. And so I think it's a fair question, and I don't know that there's a wrong answer because I don't think either team was regarded as being a playoff team at the start of the year, and it was pretty even from that perspective. Yeah, I think it was like if you go back to this game at the beginning of the season, you might be talking about if the Houston Texans beat the Denver Broncos, are they playing themselves out of a top three pick? Like that would be more of the common belief about what this game would mean versus fighting for full-on playoff contention. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm curious what people would say to that. Like, who are the bigger surprises? Because they're definitely at the top of the list for the NFL in general. Like, of what this team is. Like, we knew what Seattle was. We knew what Minnesota was with Kirk Cousins. And they're still a playoff team at this moment. Like, there really hasn't been that major, major surprise outside of Houston and Denver. Well, but I think, you know what, Joe, the other point to that is the NFC, we knew that they were very top-heavy. So we knew it was a kind of it was it was a crapshoot for a lot of teams that could end end up getting in. In the AFC, if you look at the way the season started and where we are now, yeah. no one could have predicted that Joe Burrow was going to get knocked out for the year. I don't think a lot of people thought the Chargers had another uh, un- underachieving season in them to this level. Because like it felt like underachieving for them was what they did last year, right? Which get in and then fall apart. Teams. Yeah, they're four and seven. Right. I I think that a, the door opened a lot wider and this became a lot more interesting because of some of the teams that aren't going to be in the running for yeah. the playoffs. Yeah, no, for sure. It, the, the definitely the there's the AFC playoff race is definitely way more dramatic and way different than any of us would have viewed it. Yeah. Like if you go back to like our if you look at our Google Doc when we did our NFL draft of teams most likely like oh, who would you pick for the most wins to go to the playoffs and all that stuff. We each take six teams. There's going to be a lot of teams that make the playoffs that we honestly had nothing to do with. Right. Like, we did not – no one touched the Broncos. No one touched the Texans. Uh, I don't think anybody – did anybody touch the Steelers? Um, I think one of us – I think I might think the really? Steelers like, my last pick, though. Like, it's not like some team that I viewed as a perennial playoff contender. All right, he's Joel Blank. You can find him on Twitter, at Pac-Man Joel. I am Joe George. You can find me on Twitter, at Joe George Radio. We are here live at Nick's Place. It might be raining outside. Um, I can't really tell, but I saw the TVs went out for a quick second because of the rain. Um, but one thing we haven't really talked about much outside of our quick conversation with DJ would be how different is this team if these situations flipped? Like, what would have happened if Sean Payton came to Houston and Cal McNair wowed him? 
What if D'Amico Ryans wasn't actually interested in the Houston Texans job and he would have taken the job in Denver? We'll talk a little about that next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. You're hooked up with it. You hooked up with it. You decided to marry it. I told you I wasn't into it. You said it didn't matter. Back to the celebration of 30 years of Nick's Place. Hey, Nick, can we get these guys some complimentary beers and calzones? Hey, they're working hard in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios. It's the Killer Bees, Joel and Jeremy. Joe George and Joel Blank here with you on the Killer Bees till 6 o'clock, hanging out at Nick's Place for the 30th anniversary. We crushed a pizza earlier and joined some Blue Mountains right now, some water for Joel. Uh, DJ Bienemy absolutely annihilated his calzone, so I think he is very safe. To he say. did. He enjoyed it. And just a reminder, we'll be back out here on December twenty second for the uh, Christmas party as well. So. You will lose your voice uh, for the Christmas party if you think it's loud in here now. It's not too bad. It's pretty loud, but like I feel okay right the now. The day of the Christmas party, you are guaranteed to lose your voice. It is a madhouse. So this is my first one. Oh my God! This ain't even close to the Christmas. Because when did you when did you and Barry go on the air? Like when did we go fully local on ninety seven five? Was that twenty sixteen? Twenty fifteen? Yes. Yes. Sixteen, I think, is right. So like I got to go in fifteen. I was there from fifteen to eighteen. But like I was on the local on the network side. Right. Right. Or producing for Charles. Right. So like I never got to do the fun stuff. So I'm dead serious. Like and literally, we try to tell people, don't do any prep the day of the Christmas party. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, my Jeremy's out, so it's gonna be you and me that day. Um, I think you know that, why because Jeremy doesn't like it when he can't have the attention of the show. <laughs> so when it's focused on a 30th anniversary or a road trip or a Christmas party, no. it takes the luster off of it. Uh, so my wife and I, Dana and I, have actually been talking about. Look, if when I'm out, if I got to deal with wrong answers only, where's Joel? I can say those things. Well, yeah, but he doesn't say any of those things. He just says wrong answers only. No, and then he reads. Believe me, he picks and chooses and reads. And I don't yeah, start. We with read it. the less mean. You ones. two guys are like I don't know what you're doing what? without your whoopee today. Without your whoopee here, I don't know. That that you're even trying to do the show. Don't worry. I got mean texts today taken care of. Oh, yeah, I bet. I'm all over them. Um, but, yeah, I think Dana and I are going to get a hotel the night before the Christmas party so I can go out to the morning stuff with the bench and and be for there for the eggnog. Knowing how you stuff. can indulge and overindulge, you should get a hotel for the night after the no, Christmas party. We're doing party. both. Okay, good. So that way I can go to the morning part with the bench, take a nap, and then be here for the bees, and then go back and sleep. Smart. Sounds like a great day. That um, is an absolute smart yeah, plan. So come on hang part. out. We're here at Nick's place for the 30th anniversary. Uh, their party. Congratulations once again. Great place. Great food. Great drinks. Everything. Uh, just here for you guys. And lots Granado lots shows up. The volume level goes up 15 I decibels. I wasn't. Everyone's sure. having fun. It was a nice surprise there. To see Johnny G walk into the building. I mean, if you guys haven't been here before, this is the original, like, sports bar model yeah. before sports bars became a thing. You think about it, for 30 years, Nick's not kidding in the commercials when he said, ask your mom. They've been around that long. But the fact of the matter is they do it right because it's not bar food. Their food, man, is good food. awesome. All right, so uh, this offseason, this last offseason for the Houston Texans, the, the main candidate we always kind of wanted, as most fans, was either Ben Johnson or D'Amico Ryans. But there was this, like, one-week, two-week stretch where it was like they're talking to Sean Payton. Sean Payton is publicly going on Colin Coward and saying things. Colin Coward is then, after Sean Payton's interview, dogging Cal McNair, basically, very publicly. He never said his name, but the the interview or the comments were right after Payton interviewed. 
for the team. Do you think Sean Payton has any regrets about not looking at the situation? And that's hard because they didn't have C.J. Stroud when he made this decision. But he could have had C.J. Stroud instead of Russell Wilson. And I think long-term, the Texans' future is definitely better. I think you're right. I, I think that the regret is all about the quarterback. Because I knew, I, I think that he took the job, and as to DJ's point, he needed a situation where he was in total control. But part of being in total control was you weren't in total control because you were stuck with Russell Wilson. And, and so you had to resurrect him a, into a, a, a serviceable quarterback, and that was going to be a challenge. And I don't, I don't know that anybody could have done more than what he's done, but what he's done I'm not sure is enough, and it's all obviously short-term. Yeah. I think what you've seen with the Texans is – and remember now, when he killed Nathaniel Hackett, that was extra motivation for the Jets to go get them early. It'd be interesting if any of this is going to come up during the course of prep, coming up for this game this week, because he was so critical of this franchise. But I think that, in retrospect, he probably regrets not being able to say, hey, look, as much as we get into the Belichick-Brady conversations of, was, was is Belichick anything without Brady? There's an argument to be made that, Sean Payton without Drew Brees ain't a whole lot either. Yeah, I'm curious to see like how long how this plays out long term for Denver because like once they can get Russell Wilson gone because that still is their end goal, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Whether it's next year or the year after, like eventually Russell Wilson will not be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. And then like how Sean Payton fills that hole, I'm so curious because like we saw in New Orleans, it was like Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, like Jameis Winston, I believe, even when he was there for one year of Sean Payton. So I'm just I'm very curious like what that franchise looks like long term. But like let's just say it didn't work out. Like let's say it was flipped. Like let's say it did work out with Sean Payton here and D'Amico did end up in Denver. Do you feel like more about it's more about credit to Bobby Slowick and, and D'Amico than anything, but like do you feel like this season is that much different if Sean Payton would have taken the Texans job? I kinda do. You think better or worse? I think it's I think it's better where it's now than I think it would be worse with Payton. Because I think Peyton's offense is still a little outdated compared to today's really modern NFL passing game and and slow at getting, cutting his teeth under Shanahan. Shanahan, obviously the guru of modern-day offensive football. I I think that the other thing is there's a great working relationship between, because you have a defensive-minded head coach, and I think he, for the most part, stays out of it. But I think you have a great relationship with your coordinator and your quarterback, both in this for the first time, so that they are a team. I don't think that there's a hierarchy per se. I think they're discussing everything. I think Sean Payton's a dictator, and I think that that would be yeah. a, that might be a little tough for CJ and a little intimidating, honestly, for CJ if that that's how the scenario had played out. Yeah, I definitely think like it, it, looking back on it now, it never really made sense. I think at the time when we talked about the idea of Sean Payton coming to Houston, it was mostly because people were for it because they wanted to get rid of Nick Casario, and they viewed it as a way to show Nick Casario the door. And, like, I still, like, I have a hard time looking at the last two years and being like, Nick Casario is this great GM. Now, he's made some moves this year and moves over the last two years that have now turned out really, really well. But, like, I'm still not as sold on others. Like, week one of the season, we were having conversations, or week two, about is Nick Casario to blame for Derek Stingley Jr. and the fact that he was missing so much time. So, like, I think that's why most people want Sean Payton. I'm just glad they didn't because I'm much I think the Texans are much better off today with D'Amico and Bobby Slowick, even though I know I'm on the record that Bobby Slowick will not be here next year than they are with Sean Payton. But, you know, the other thing is, is again, you're not dealing with a dictator. You're not dealing with a know-it-all. 
You're not dealing with a guy that is going to actually live and breathe every single action he takes as it's my way or the highway and I know everything. You're dealing with guys that understand the human element and the communication and everything in modern-day football from D'Amico to Bobby to CJ to where that's why there's such a cohesive relationship and communication with all those guys. You wouldn't have had that with Sean Payton because he doesn't care what you think. He's going to tell you how it's going to be, and especially with a young team, I think that would be very tough to say it would translate the same way. Yeah, I do feel like you need a veteran quarterback specifically to help. It's even like Belichick. That's why I think Belichick has struggled partially with Mac Jones because I feel like you can't treat – like we kind of talk about the NBA players being soft a lot, but I still feel like young quarterbacks in the NFL, like you have to treat them – in a way that you can't treat Tom Brady and Drew Brees. And I feel like Sean Payton and Bill Belichick have a, still have a hard time kind of realizing that. See if this makes sense. I think the situation that the Texans were in, they just needed the right guys. But it wasn't like one guy over the other or a clear-cut dominating guy. I think in Denver, both guys needed each other just to have a chance to survive. Russ, you know, Peyton had a whole lot to try and live up to because they gave up a lot to get him and because he had been away from the game and he had to prove that he could still do it. And he was inheriting a guy that people thought was washed up, done, and should be out of the league except for the fact that he had a monster contract. So Russ needed Sean as much as Sean needed Russ. 100%. And that's why they are where they are because Sean probably took it down a notch and so did Russ. I don't think that that would have translated to the Texans because Sean would have come in basically saying i got a young roster i'm rebuilding everything everybody thinks i'm the know-it-all be-all so i'm just going to tell everybody how it's going to be uh one other thing i want to get to before the end of the show today i know so if you haven't seen like the coverage map that's been put out there about cbs this weekend if you can watch the game the texans are legitimately on on pretty much like 80 percent of the country like if there's not a home game for another nfl team like the texans are going to be on in tv but the reason why partially they got flexed in that game was because of the Eagles and 49ers game this weekend. We talked earlier about just, like, good games, these teams, what they mean. It, and now that we're going to, like, I think have a great Sunday, you get the Texans game and then Eagles 49ers. What's your view of that game as you go into the weekend? My view of that game, first and foremost, is it should be in primetime. Yeah. That game should be either Sunday night or Monday night football, but that game is a game that no one wants to miss because that is the ba- the battle of the NFC. Do you think it's a preview of the championship game? It just depends on the matchups, right? I think both teams have to hold their own seeding-wise so that it can happen. But I think it should be. I think they're the two best teams in the NFC. They have been that way all year long, and that's what everybody would like to line up to see. But I think that the interesting thing is Philly, I still don't think, has played their best football. I think from a San Francisco standpoint, they might have played their best and their worst football already. That's true. Because I think they started off the season red hot. They lost three in a row and couldn't get any further down the, you know, in rock bottom. And now they're climbing their way back up, and they're getting healthy, and they're adding a Chase Young, and they're looking like they're getting back to where we thought they were going to be all year. But then it's like, okay, well, we're done with barometers now. Now it's a put-up-or-shut-up moment where everybody will talk the rest of the season about how this game goes and who wins it. Oh, yeah. I definitely, and I, I would say a majority of people like will base their decisions about who's going to represent the NFC Correct. in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl based off this game because – I really don't believe there is another team in the NFC. Like I, I, I like the Cowboys, but I don't love the Cowboys. And I like I think the Lions already sealed their fate. Yeah, I, I like the Lions, but like they're just not that team. I think you are going to see a game 
of like one of these two teams will play in the Super Bowl and represent the NFC. And honestly, like the winner of this game, like, it's going to be a huge factor. Like if the 49ers are going to ch- catch the Eagles, this is like their one opportunity yeah. to do it because they're two games back at the moment. All right. Obviously, one thing we have not talked about today, it hasn't got m- too much attention from our show, but the Shohei Otani sweepstakes yeah. are reportedly down to four teams. And look, it's December 1st. We've got more winter meeting things happening here very soon uh, for Major League Baseball. When will the Astros make their first move? Who are the final four teams for Shohei Otani? We talk about it next here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at MyBookie. MyBookie, best in the business at making sports and entertainment come together with a chance for you to win money. That's why I speak for them, because it's the only place you should go if you want to put some money down on a sporting event, and they got them all. If there's something to bet on in sports, you can bet on it at MyBookie, and the best part about it is they've been in business for over a decade, so you know what? They're not going anywhere, neither is your money, and they're always taking care of their customers, which means that they're doing their match bonus again. You go to my bookie.ag right now you use our promo code bet975 and anything from 50 to a thousand dollars when you put that in your account they'll double it instantly that means more money in your account more games you can bet on and more chances to win and you can bet on all the sports college football pro football basketball nba and college golf ufc all that and so much more and the bottom line is when there's no games to be played there's still games to be played because there's live dealers standing by at all times with casino games like blackjack and poker just remember our promo promo code bet975 and get there now go to mybookie.ag Put some money in your account. Set it up and put some money in. Use that promo code and realize they'll put in what you put in, and it'll be worth your while. Check it out today because I'm telling you they're the best in the business. It's like I always tell you. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. With the only place I tell you to do it, it's mybookie.ag, and use that promo code BET975. ESPN 97.5.com on the Chase Long. I've got a Chase Long in my dressing room and a pack of warm beer that we Back to the celebration of 30 years of Nick's Place. Hey, Nick, can we get these guys some complimentary beers and calzones? Hey, they're working hard in the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios. It's the Killer Bees, Joel and Jeremy. Killer Bees here at ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George and Joel Blank here with you. For a final 30 minutes live at Nick's Place for the 30th anniversary party. Starting to get packed up in here. So come on out, have a good time, celebrate, get some good food. Um, but, Joel, the, the, the number one free agent maybe of our life, like Tom Brady, LeBron James, Shohei Otani, those are probably the biggest three free agents we've yeah. ever had in the history of sports. Uh, Shohei Otani is reportedly down to the final four teams. The Dodgers, the Angels, the Blue Jays, the Cubs. Two of those four sound good to me. Uh oh. Oh, John's mine. You can have pizza. Some. It's mine. Uh-huh. You can have it. Um, there are two. TJP enemy ordered that and left. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Um, so I think from like the perspective of the Astros is like you want him to leave the American League, right? For sure. Even though the Angels are not a real threat, getting Shohei Otani out of the division is a huge win. Like I. I don't think it. Don't really you feel like they're closer to there? tearing it down than building it up again? I don't know what they are. They have to be building it up if they sign Otani. Well, you and if he think, leaves, they have to tear it, tear it down. Unless you're just relying on the fact that look, you've got your marketability back by having him in the in the ballpark. But they've been already rumored to be shopping Trout. You know, they, it, it just. I don't know what they're doing. You're right, and every year it seems like what they're really good at doing is 
not anything they're supposed to be doing and it doesn't work out right. I don't care about the Angels, even if he signs there. I'd be fine with it because I think the Astros are still better than they are. But yeah, you're agree. right. I, agree. I would love to see him end up in the National League. Yeah, I think just like removing him. I think the Blue, like the idea of the Blue Jays is actually, I think it's kind of surprising. I didn't think that Shohei Otani and the Blue Jays was like any conversation worth having. Not even on my wildest list of baseball teams like, that might be interested. You've already overpaid for a lot of pitching and Springer and you got all that young core you got to yeah. wrap. I don't see it. And they're talking about dumping Bo Bichette. Um, there's been rumors that him and Vlad. Why? Because they're, they're Kyle Tuckers. They're they're not going to resign there. And they're because they're not World Series contenders, they're going to trade Bo Bichette and maybe Vlad before they hit free agency. Like There's a lot of people that believe Bo Bichette will be traded this offseason. If they become, like, how Ra- are you in the Otani mix if you're going to yeah. trade those guys? And if you become Rays North, and, and you start selling off your talent the minute they become close to contract yeah. eligible, that's a horrible look to like get other players to want to play there. Hundred percent. And like, so I don't think the Blue Jays are really in there. But then like Jeff Passan followed it up with that like it's going to soar past five hundred million. That's crazy. He's going to be a Cub. I, I told you that I thought I, so the last time we had this conversation. I, you're like, no way. I changed my mind. You know what, though? Part of it's like, I don't want to get my heart broken. Here's like, the thing. I think he's going to be a Cub. Cub or Giant, I'm totally fine with. Yeah. Because now the Dodgers have competition. Now I, I don't think either team, as they're currently constructed, is good enough to, to win it all. But I think, And the fact that he goes to the National League, I'm totally good with. I'm good with them going back to the Angels because I still don't think they can stay healthy. They don't have the pitching, and I don't think that they're sustainable. I just don't want them to go to a team that's already really talented. Yeah, Toronto really probably makes them, even though he's not going to pitch this year, Like in, they're probably the second-best team or third-best team in the American League next year. Like, Think th- about the middle of that order if Bo he DHs oh and Vladdy plays first well, Chapman and, will be gone. and Bichette sets the table. And Springer leads off. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that first awesome. four, first five is as good as anybody in baseball. If not better. Like, it might be the best lineup in baseball, top five in baseball. Because even, like, while the Astros lineup is, like, honestly, probably the Astros it's, are probably one of the only teams that can compete. It's Braves-Astros. Yeah, Braves-Astros, Blue Jays, Rangers, probably top five lineups in baseball. Right, right, right. If they land Otani next year. And, look, they're great without him. But, like, it would just be stunning to see that happen but it is december 1st like we're we're all kind of like patiently waiting for otani to sign like i feel like that's what is why nothing big has happened everything is small moves i think glass now is the first is the first pitcher that needs to move and then otani is the first hitter once those two things happen free agency like will like really start i got one more for you what i i think the soto deal is going to happen yeah. and i think people are waiting on it but you're so i think the that. soto deal goes along with those two guys and the three of those guys together will get the open the floodgates. Because the thing about Soto is interesting. Like I kind of want to see the Yankees trade for him. They he's already declared he will not resign. He's going to go into free agency. It's like they're going to have to trade away top prospects for Juan Soto. But they're desperate. Cashman's desperate. So that's too I desperate. Mean, the, the same way with the articles last year where he's blaming the, cheat, the the Astros and they're the ones that stopped him from doing more. He's covering his ass over and over again, yeah. and he's desperate. And now he's bashing his own guys that he went out and acquired like Stanton and, and, and talking about how injured he is and all these other things. And he's alienating guys within his own organization. And he knows it's probably coming to a run sooner rather than later for him. So he's probably going to be in desperation mode to try and do something that might – 
bring it all back together. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious, like, if, if that actually happens. It does seem like it is Yankees only, though. Like, I, and that's where, like, that's where I feel like the Otani stuff has to play out first because I would imagine, like, the Cubs and the, and the Blue Jays specifically, and, and maybe the Dodgers, would be in on Soto if they miss out on Otani, whichever ones do. And that's why, like, might have to wait for that. But, what, I don't, but, but Joe, let's be honest. I don't think the Padres, no matter what the deal is, I don't think the Padres trade Soto to the, Do- to the Dodgers. Yeah, that's probably true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, cause they, cause the thing is they can't afford him. Like they literally don't have the money. They to They've out- overpaid so many guys when they got Freeman and Betts and all the guys that they've been paying. Yeah. I don't think they can afford it anyway. I agree. It's interesting that like, they're going to go primarily like with Mookie Betts back at second base next year with Jason Hayward coming back. Like, I don't get it, but I don't whatever. Um, but what do you think the first move is? For the Astros, like, do you think they're we're gonna be, or do you think like it's gonna come quickly, or do you think we're gonna be because of the market they're in, you know, low level or low money guys that like we're not gonna see the Astros make big splashes or a splash at all until like January? I, I think that's where I'm at. I yeah. think that unlike a year ago when Jim Crane wanted to make a statement that we don't need a stinking general manager, and then they flat overpaid Montero and went on this spending spree with Abreu and 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 you know went back and then eventually got Michael Brantley back. I think you're going to see the opposite this year. I think you're going to see that when the money kind of isn't there for guys that thought it would be, they're going to start thinking about, well, then maybe I just want to win. I want to be in a fun environment where I'm going to win all year. I can get my stats up. I can get another chance. And then Houston's going to factor in to where you're going to see guys that go, well, why don't I go to Houston and bolster their bullpen? Why don't I be the bat that they're looking for at a little cheaper price, but I got a chance to make up some money with playoffs? And exposure. Uh, Maldi, uh, Chandler Rome in his mailbag uh, article he put out, Maldi's got an interest from teams like the Marlins. Uh, still a chance he could come back. He mentioned Tucker Barnhart as a potential replacement for him. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm surprised to hear people still say that like, they want Martin Maldonado to be back on this team. It does seem like Justin Verlander is a proponent of that. but like That's why I, he can't come back. Jeremy exactly. was right. Jeremy was yep. absolutely right. I think Jeremy was the first to say it. But the, the, the whole possibility that would lie there for Fromber and, J, and uh, JV is exactly why he can't come back. If they do that, they have to, like, be firm. You are going to catch those two days. Because I, the only positive of that, Joel, is that it means Yiner Diaz is going to DH two days. But on the days in when you're in an outfield in which he can't play, Jordan can't play in left, then Yiner's out the lineup. Like, that's where, like, there has to be some flexibility. In principle, I'm okay with the idea that Martin Maldonado is going to catch Fromber and JV next year, and Yiner is going to catch the rest of the guys. It can't happen, Joe. But also, you're right, because like at some point, you have to think about the future. That's right. And, and, and it can't happen because of all that Yiner had to go through last year, because all of the scrutiny that everybody faced and how we were talking about this on a daily basis and how do you keep this kid down and, and how Dusty just believed that you know the kid was going to thank him someday. You can't mess with his psyche and after Dana Brown already came out and said, he's our number one catcher next year, and then all of a sudden in spring training or whatever, say, hey, JV and Fromber, talk to us. We want we want Maldi to catch him, those two, but then you're okay. You can't do that. I, I just I can't see realistically how, how, how you that, that makes sense, and I think that just crushes the kid. Yeah, it, it really doesn't. Like I think it's very clear what the path needs to be. For this team. All right, we will take our final break here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Our car wreck of the day is up next here live from Nick's Place on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. 
ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Dude. Ah, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? Who? Jack Burton. Me. This is the Car Wreck of the Day brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. All right, final segment of the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I'm not doing another show today. I've been here since one. Um, you don't want to hear me for another hour anyways. You, you got three hours to. of me. Uh, we'll have Patrick Creighton late hits coming up at, here at 8 o'clock. We'll be back on Monday at 3, but we want to first say thank you again to Nick's Place for bringing us out today, being here for their 30th anniversary. Great pizza. I'm already looking forward to December December 22nd so I can get more. Nick is just a staple of what is Houston. Fact. And so the fact that, like I said, the history of like creating the sports bar, bar environment but not forgetting about how important the food is. And, and 30 years is a long run. Ever since I've been in Houston, whether run, you're a shit. sports bar or a regular bar or not, you're probably the cycle. The bar cycle is normally a cup like a year and a half to three years at best. You put a thirty spot on the board. That's pretty impressive. All right, so it's time for our car wreck of the day. Brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. You might need them today. Hopefully, you don't. Not a great day outside, of course. So much rain. I know that you like the rain today for certain. I'm not reasons. saying why, but I'm not opposed <laughs> to it. Well, you need more of that rain tomorrow, right? No, I think as long as we get enough tonight, then there won't be a tomorrow. That's fair. Uh, we will, so we'll do it. take your nominations for our Car Wreck of the Day brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. We also will do Mean Text. We don't have a ton of them. This, this segment started. I don't know what happened, Joel. It's like we had this idea that I thought was going to go really, really well. And then people got nicer to us in this time slot, except for the people that don't work on Twitch. But, like, the text line, I feel like, is in general nicer to us these days. Um, so I, have, I only have a can couple I, Can here. I have a caveat there? Yeah. I don't know how it happened either because I wasn't involved in the process. And so I didn't have a, the opinion that it might or might not work. But yet here we are. All right. So the number yeah. one, let's just go to the blank ones then. Uh, Blankers is writing his new Dr. Seuss book. They're talking about rhymes. Uh, Jeremy, you could use some work on your rhymes. They're nowhere near good as blanks. Okay. Because he was rhyming the other day. I know he was. Um, this one not directed towards us, but maybe the meanest thing I saw on Twitch this week, Joel. Okay. okay. Yesterday at East River 9. Yes. Uh, Connor and Beer were talking about salads and how they like salad. And uh, Half Nelson, Nielsen, whatever, said, uh, what's your go-to salad? Too sweet. That's Josh. Hershey syrup. Not nice. Huh. Um. Going back to our conversation on the other day after Jeremy got called out for his all 22s, uh, Sarge is the McRib of Houston sports media. <laughs> if I was compared to a food item, the McRib is not what I want. And then we got two more just for me. I left them in here. This first one, I just don't really understand, but it definitely is offensive. Okay. There was a lot more to this text, but it was an actual question. But it says, hey, Branham Blank and your producer. Seriously? I've been here since January. People don't know my name yet? I mean... My name's Joe. People should know my name a little bit by now. I'm just watching Crystal Collins make a steady line back and forth. Like just from the stealing everything. From the snarfing up the, the tchotchkes. And now Donna's second time following suit. Donna's pseudo-producer to the Killer Bees. 
is pointing the blame at, oh, they're pointing the finger at each other. That's cute. And uh, the last one I have here, Joel, is uh, it's amazing amazing how much crap spews out of Joe's mouth every day. Yours? Yeah, Alex sent that in? <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, real, real quick but very seriously, shout out to all the true Hive members that came out to support today. Donna is here. Queen Bee Spice, Crystal Collins is here. Alex was here. Chewy's here. Ty is here. Um, who, am I missing people? Jonathan and Michael just came up and said how much he loves the show. Um, a lot of great listeners showing up today. We always appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. This has been awesome. I, I love when we're having events like Des this. Des is here. Des was here this morning. She went to did some charity in the afternoon. From 12 to She 3. came back. Yep. And then she came back to support her favorites. And now I don't have to ask her the question, what should we do? Believe it or not. Um, all right, Car Wreck of the Day, brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. Uh, another mean text here. You're not getting mean text because the idea sucks. Ouch. I agree with that. Joel, I agree with the texter. Joel Blake texting the text line. No, here. that was not my phone um, number. All right, so what other what nominations? We'll just wrap it up here in a little a few minutes here. But our Car Wreck of the Day, uh, what nominations do you have today? I can't really think of I know. It's been like a tough day for this. Well, yeah. Obviously, our equipment had a rough... Um, like oh, that's for sure. Again, uh, but Andrew what was Carlson your what was what day. was our robot S two E? Oh, R R two R two D two E. Oh, S two D two. S two D two. The pulse on S two D two. I turned on the station late this morning and I texted you because it sounded like S two D two was trying to do radio and it wasn't going well. Yeah, um, I just got. Um, I don't know if this is a mean text or a car wreck. Uh, Joe saying he worked from. One to six, what a bleeping grind. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Because um, it's not a long day. It's five hours. But it's two hours long. I, already, I, I commented on that to you before you had a texture comment on that to you. Sorry, I have all these pr- part-time producers. And What'd you call them? What'd you just call them? Part-time producers. You sure that's what you call blowing them? Blowing me up for stupid things. You and sure got, that you didn't call them what happens on a rose bush when the thorn hits you? And I got interns asking me if our shows are canceled because it's raining outside. That's nomination for Corbett in the day. That's almost as ridiculous as Honestly, interns that are criticizing on-air hosts for their opinions, or 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 or, or, or saying that other shows are the goat when you're on the. I air. wasn't going to do it, but yeah, I have to nominate that intern from yesterday. He text he texted me yesterday before the show, and he decided that he was going to ask me if we had shows yesterday because it's raining outside, and I really like this kid. And you don't work that, at a golf course, like. We're indoors. Like, well, you guys were at a golf course, and you still did shows. Indoors. Indoors. Even if they were outdoors, you would just come back to the studio. It's one of the most baffling texts I've ever gotten in my life. I love said intern. That's why I'm not saying his name. But, yeah. Are there other interns you would say the name because the faux pas have come too much? No, but most of those aren't interns anymore, though. Well, still, that's a mistake on your part. Yeah, I mean, we're not, I'm not going to talk about, like, uh, well, <laughs> actually, the one guy's dad might be here, so i got to be careful. <laughs> um uh, any nominations that you thought of, Joel Blank, or are you good to go? Uh, no, because we late yesterday we mentioned Shazier and Von Miller, and I really don't think anything stood out in sports last night. The Cowboys actually played well. I, I don't think that there was anything that I can think of. All right, well, then that's going to do it for us, Josh. You can hit the music and Wait, make this did, a longer you, you break. didn't have any? I said it. I, nomin- I almost said So then name. who wins? The intern. Oh, so you're going to give it to the intern? Yeah, I don't. I can't give it to a piece of equipment. That just doesn't make any sense. So we give it to our intern from yesterday. I decided to not be so nice. I nominated you for uh, asking if work was canceled because of the rain. 
Oh, what a tough look. All right, that does it for us. Thanks I got to go. I got to go shadow box. Uh, All right. Thanks late. again to Knicks Place for bringing us off for our, their 30th anniversary party. I am Joe George. You can find me on Twitter at Joe George Radio. Joel is on Twitter at Pacman. Joel, Jeremy Branham, go Kooks. We'll be back on the air with all of us Monday at 3. My final prediction, Texans win. You say Texans win? Yeah. All right, that does it for us. Patrick Craig Rockets will be win. here. Uh, yeah, they're playing LeBron. Uh, Patrick Curry will be here at 8 o'clock for Late Hits. See ya. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Pitter Patter. It's a hard life picking stones and pulling teats, but sure as God's got sandals, it beats fighting dudes with treasure trails.